CFRC 101.9 FM, you just heard Don't Believe by Vashti Bunyan. This is your host, Sadie McFadden, and you're listening to my show from 10 till 11 on Thursdays called End of the Tunnel. As CFRC's Community Arts Coordinator, I want to use this platform to uplift artists during this pandemic as local arts are hit hardest. As the vaccine rollout occurs, it feels like we are reaching the brighter end of the dark tunnel that has been COVID-19. The show hopes to highlight the events in the Kingston arts industry, whether they be online or in person. Today, I am joined by Daniel Green, who is a Queen student who is an amazing literary artist. Welcome, Daniel. Hi, Sadie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, Do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your literary art career and just kind of like a history of you? Sure, yeah. Um, So yeah, my name's Daniel Green. Um, I am going into my fourth year um, majoring in English at Queens. I have been writing um, seriously for probably the past two years, but uh, I really started um, writing creatively in my uh, my grade twelve writer's craft class, um, where I um, kind of started to realize that I I had something that came really naturally to me, and I had a an outlet um, that I really enjoyed using, a, a creative outlet that I really enjoyed using. And um, I come from a, a family of a um, of, of people interested in the arts. My father, uh, Terrence M. Green, is a Canadian science fiction novelist. Um, so 
I've grown up in a house surrounded by books and writing and reading. Um, although I kind of ignored it for a long time uh, as a kid and it kind of as I matured and, and learned how to take a deep breath and, and uh, engage in, in the value that prose and poetry have, uh, did, I, did I start to, to write. And um, yeah, I, I bounced out of my, my writer's craft class and into uh, Queens where I thought, oh, I'm gonna be, uh, you know, when I was in high school, I thought maybe I'd go into computer science or commerce or something like that. And, uh, and then I thought, well, I actually don't wanna do that. I wanna go into the arts. So maybe I'll do something like political studies and then law because I was involved with like mock trial stuff in high school and I was always just trying to do what uh, what was the most socially acceptable and what looked best at the um, at the family reunion you know uh, what would give me the most lucrative career and uh, nothing there's nothing wrong with that but it's ultimately I had to come to terms with the fact that that's not what uh, what I really want. Um, and yeah, so I went through my first year and I wasn't really sure what to major in and I didn't really write throughout my first year. Uh, but over the summer, I did decide to major in English just kind of off this gut instinct uh, more than anything that I wanted to read more books and I wanted to keep reading uh, because, you know, I just think, um, reading self-discovery and writing a self-discovery and it's just innately valuable. Um, so I, I applied to Carolyn Smart's uh, creative writing and prose class um, or just I asked if I could be in uh, any of them uh, and she put me into her creative writing and prose class but I applied with a story that I'd written in my, my writer's craft in grade 12 but I greatly revised it um and improved it for submission into that class and then I got into that class um at which point you know I, I did very well in writer's craft in high school and then when I got into Carolyn's class I quickly realized that I was not nearly um as uber talented as I thought I was <laughs> so I just um started reading you know my peers work and realizing uh different ways of doing things and and being you know and exposing my writing to them getting feedback on my writing um i've i met you know friends and i've made intimate relationships just based off that class um and that's when I, I started, you know, really taking my writing seriously. Um, and then throughout that year, I kind of started to come to terms with the fact that, you know, I'm, that that is what I wanted uh, to pursue. I wanted to keep writing. So um, I really wanted to get into Carolyn Smart's uh, advanced creative writing class and which uh, produced Lake Effect 10 this year. And um, I wasn't invited to it at first and I kept um, you know I emailed her and said this and that and then I ended up getting into her another one of her courses in the fall um, and a lot had happened over the year like I went through 
uh, breakup. I quit my job at the LCBO over the summer. And I really started to come to terms with who I was and what I wanted. And I started taking control of my life. And once I started doing that, and once I started being honest with myself and honest with other people about what I wanted, uh, that honesty came through in my writing. And once I started writing honestly, <laughs> I, then, then I really excelled because I always had the tools uh, to do it. I just, I had to grow up a little bit. So when I was in Carolyn's class, I wrote, um, well, I guess it was, uh, I'd, I'd been, uh, in terms of, you know, I guess, uh, credentials or accomplishments, I'd, I'd, I've been in a poetry anthology uh, when I was like 17. Uh, I submitted a poem and a short story and, uh, called Ink Slide, or, or the, the anthology is called Ink Slide, and the poem's called Scrambled Papers, and it was kind of about going to university. And then I, uh, I was in the, the undergraduate review after my second year, um, undergraduate review volume 32, with a story called What the Stars Said. Um, and then I, I think that's it. And then I, I got into, you know, this class and I, I uh, with Carolyn, I'm back to the, you know, where I was. And uh, I wrote this poem uh, called She Must, which was based on kind of this insecurity. Um, I had just gotten into a, a relationship um, uh, again and it was with someone that I was very deeply in love with and kind of fell over head over heels for and I, I wrote a poem about letting go um, because you know majority of relationships don't work out and that was a lesson I was trying to teach myself early on was to uh, be able to let go of that person so I wrote that poem for that class and then it won uh, the Queen's Journal's 2020 poetry contest so I was published there. And then on my next assignment, I wrote uh, a short story called Ballad of a Thin Man, which I think I will be reading uh, on here later today. Um, and Ballad of a Thin Man was one of the, you know, again, I just really engaged with some honest emotions and it, it pulls, um, it pulls a lot uh, from my, my own life and how I was feeling. And as soon as I did that, like as soon as I truly, truly wrote from the heart, um, you know, Professor Carolyn Smart really recognized that and she loved the story. And then I was invited to advanced creative writing uh, where we create, uh, I was published in Lake Effect 10 uh, with two short stories, uh, Ballad of a Thin Man and Wild Rover. And Ballad of a Thin Man won the McKeelwem Foundation Prize in English, um, awarded from uh, Queen's University. And of course, a huge thank you goes out to uh, Carolyn Smart and the donors to that award. Um, and, you know, from there, I, I read, uh, read my stuff uh, with Lake Effect and Carolyn continued to push me. My dad continued to push me. My friends continued to push me and really made me believe that I could I could do this seriously, seriously. So this summer, I have started to write my first novel. Uh, working title is Thin Man. 
and it's an expansion of the short story Ballad of a Thin Man, and it's uh, it's kind of based on it very loosely. So I'm about 10,000 words into that right now, and I hope to have a draft finished by the end of the summer. And that's about it. That's my 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 long-winded catch-up on my literary career. It's just just getting started. So. Yeah, that sounds like you have such a great uh, path ahead of you, Daniel. And let's actually take a listen to uh, Like a Rolling Stone. Do you want to explain the uh, relation? Sure. So the uh, the story I'm going to be reading, Ballad of a Thin Man, is uh, it's that that title is a Bob is the title of a Bob Dylan song uh, off of Highway 61 Revisited. Uh, the album Highway 61 Revisited. And um, uh, the, the, the story I'll be reading, it's kind of almost like a stream of consciousness in which the narrator is listening to that album. And the first song on that album is Like a Rolling Stone. And I think Like a Rolling Stone uh, lyrically embodies how I'm feeling now <laughs> and how I was feeling when I wrote it and how I was feeling when I first listened to it. So I think it, it'll set the tone for the piece and it's, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's all I have to say, so. Awesome, well, I hope all of our listeners enjoy it. So everybody, this is Like a Wrong Stone by Bob Dylan. so fine through the bumps of dime in your prime then you people call say beware doll you're bound to fall you thought they were all kidding you Stand to the vacuum of his eyes and say, 
to CFRC 101.9 FM. You just were listening to Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan today. I am joined by Daniel Green, a Queen student and local Kingston artist who is involved with everything related to literary art from uh, being a poet to writing short stories, to currently working on a novel. And so Daniel is actually going to be sharing with us uh, one of his short stories today. Would you like to introduce it, Daniel? Of course, yeah. So I'm going to be reading um, Ballad of a Thin Man, um, uh, which is a short story um, based around uh, Bob Dylan's uh, Highway 61 Revisited. We just listened to Like a Rolling Stone. So uh, as I read it, 
um, it's it's a story that's separated into um, these separately titled sections based on each song's title um, off of that album. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's really important to me. I um, I pulled a lot uh, from my real life, how I was feeling, um, and then fictionalized it with you know. Um, fictional parents, fictional characters, uh, to make it a little more dramatic. And, um, I, yeah, um, it's, it's done me a lot of good career-wise when it won, um, the McKeelum Foundation Prize in English, um, uh, because, um, the monetary reward from that is what's allowing me to write a novel this summer. Um, so, this short story will actually, um, as of right now in the manuscript that I have, it is the short, this short story has been adapted uh, into the novel itself. So um, I've changed the tense and changed the details to fit the novel's context. But overall, this is a good intro, I think, into my, uh, my writing style, my voice, um, and, and something that a lot of people have recognized as decent. So with that said, shall I read? Yes, you shall. Go ahead, Daniel. Okay. <clears throat> this is Ballad of a Thin Man by Daniel Green. Before she died, my mother gave me a record player. I didn't know anything about music, but I always wanted one. My father gave me his vinyl copy of Bob Dylan's Highway 61 Revisited after mom died, before he moved out of our old family home. He told me that he had lost his record player, that he was giving me Highway 61 because he didn't know what else to do with it, and you have a record player and I don't. But I knew why he really gave it to me. There was an unbearable amount of sentiment attached to that record, just as there were too many memories humming in the air of our old house for staying to be possible. The stains on the couch, the rusted door hinges, that smell, the unignorable personal characteristics of a home, the things that weren't just things, but the things that survived. Too many things lived. I think, generally, far too many things are kept alive for far too long. My contribution to dad's move out was taking some old furniture my great-grandmother's armchair, and my grandfather's dresser. The base of the armchair's fabric is green, accompanied by a light green floral pattern. Potentially hideous, potentially beautiful, depends on the angle. The fabric on the arms is ripped, and I tried to cover it with blankets. I'm still not sure why we didn't throw it to the curb, or why I took it with me. I never met my great-grandmother. I lived alone above a Thai restaurant, Antique furniture and no elevator are not an ideal combo, but I made do. I put my record player on top of my grandfather's dresser, the green armchair by its side, put on Highway 61, and sat down with a drink. Highway, once, Highway 61 revisited, side one, like a rolling stone. I remember listening to this song with my father. It was the first time I'd ever heard Dylan. We were sitting in the car when it came on the radio. Turn that up, he said. This is my favorite song. I rotated the volume knob. 
Dylan talked of dressing up and giving to the homeless, bums and dimes. Dad took one hand off the wheel to turn it up more. By the end of the first verse, the car's speakers couldn't get any louder. Dylan's enigmatic questions rattled the windows of my father's 1993 Honda Civic. Notions of vagrancy and freedom bounced off the side mirrors like rolling stones. How would that feel? My father kept readjusting his hands on the steering wheel. He stroked it with his thumbs, clenched it as hard as he could, then caressed it with his thumbs again. Before she died, I would listen to this song. I would imagine that I was free. I was silent. I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry. He turned off the stereo. Perhaps you can relate now too. I broke up with my girlfriend earlier that year, long overdue. That's normal though. It would be irregular for one to throw something away before it expires. It's human to keep things past their expiration date. It's easier. In some ways, my father and I mirror one another. In my case, it was a choice. In his, it wasn't. But a muddy reflection is there nonetheless. Why do we become our fathers? It wasn't a purposeful act or an act at all, really. But was it up to me? Or was the game rigged from the start? When death did my parents part and Dylan asked how my father, and Dylan asked, asked my father how it felt, I wonder if he lied in his response. Tombstone Blues. I think my father is going to die soon. I keep wondering about his tombstone, about tombstones in general. Do people decide what they want on their tombstones before they die? Do they spend time making drafts, writing, rewriting, forgetting, remembering, perfecting their engraved immortalization, what will live long after them? At what age does that happen? When do people decide that it's time to start thinking about the scripture that will surpass their being? Was it just me that started thinking about it as a child? Or is it more of a gradual realization for most? Or is it instant? Do people just wake up one day and think, I need to come up with, with what's going on my tombstone? It takes a lot to laugh. It takes a train to cry. I remember their biggest fight. I remember my father crying and my mother not. I remember the smell of burnt fish and the sound of the smoke detector because they were the only reason the argument ended. From a Buick 6. My father had a 1993 black Honda Civic. No Buick 6, but Dylan's words speak to it the same way my father would speak to his Civic. He gave it to my brother, though, and it died. My brother lived in Halifax, where they tow cars off the street if they expect a lot of snow. I remember sitting beside my father on the couch when my brother called to confess. Faintly, I heard him say, the Civic is gone, Dad. My father's brow furrowed. What do you mean it's gone? He stood up and moved to look out the window impounded? Well, can you get it back? They're asking how much? Oh, dear. As a kid, I was so comfortable in that car. My father would put me in the back seat and drive me around the block to get me to fall asleep. The vibrations, the movement, and that sensation of someone moving you from one place to another, where you're suspended in time without worry, gave me a certain peace. It still does, which makes me wonder whose sake he was really driving for. 
I have memories of sitting in the back in a booster seat after he picked me up from school. I remember the materials, the gray unclean fabric finish on the seats and the fake leather on the steering wheel. I remember looking at his hair, straw hat and oversized sunglasses that fit over his real glasses as he swiveled his head, trying to focus on the road. When I lost my sunglasses, he insisted that I get a pair similar to his, but I didn't want to look old like him. I didn't want to die too soon. Ballad of a Thin Man. I've never put on any consequential weight. I can't say that I'm dissatisfied with my metabolism. It could be worse, but I can't say that I'm satisfied either. Ballad of a Thin Man. I think thin men tend to write ballads because of their inability to do otherwise. Big men can play sports with their big male friends. My father was thin too. Highway 61 revisited, side two. Queen Jane approximately. My mother had a friend, Clara, who would often babysit me when my parents were away. I was five years old when my father went away for a weekend. I asked my mother why Clara was coming over when she was here. Clara has no family, few friends. I like to make her feel like she has a friend, my mother said. I was woken up that night by the TV downstairs. I remember inching closer to the stairwell and sounds of rustling becoming clearer. Shadows were moving around, separating, becoming one, finicking. I never poked my head over, just saw the shadows and heard the movement and knew that I was too afraid to see what was happening. Even at such a young age, I knew that there would be no coming back if I went down the stairs. Queen Jane never came over when dad was home. Highway 61 revisited. God told Abraham he wanted his killing done here. I got up to pour myself another drink. Just like Tom Thumb's blues. Another shot, my fingers are numb. The doctor won't tell Dylan what he's got. Maybe it's impossible. Desolation Row. I am a record player. If you put an ear close to my needle, a faint, haunting squeal of music is all you can hear. A dying, desolate ringing. The noise that the heart attack machine on Desolation Row makes. A noise that all of us make if you listen close enough. Things die. They come and then they go, forgotten, then remembered. There were three record shops within five minutes of my apartment. Records, forgotten, then remembered, revived, revisited. When will they die again? When will the cycle stop? When was my mother going to tell my father that the record player he lost was the one that she gave to me? And that is it. Wow, that's such an awesome, amazing, I'm, I'm absolutely stunned. Um, short story. <laughs> so let's give our, uh, our listeners just a moment to reflect and think about what they just heard. So let's actually give a listen to Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. Well, it ain't no use sit and wonder why, baby. 
Even you don't know by now And it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby It'll never do somehow When your rooster crows at the break of dawn Look out your window and I'll be gone You're the reason I'm traveling on But don't think twice, it's all right And it ain't no use in the turning on your light, babe The light I never knowed And it ain't no use in turning on your light, babe I'm on the dark side of the road But I wish there was something you would do or say To try and make me change my mind and stay But we never did too much talking anyway Don't think twice, it's all right So it ain't no use in calling out my name, gal Like you never done before And it ain't no use in calling out my name, gal I can't hear you anymore I'm a thinking and a wondering, walking down the road. I once loved a woman, a child, I am told. I give her my heart, but she wanted my soul. But don't think twice, it's all right. So long, honey, baby, where I'm bound, I can't tell. Goodbye is too good a word, baby, so I just say fairly well. I ain't saying you treated me unkind, you could have done better, but I don't mind. You just kind of wasted my precious time. Don't think twice, it's all right able to share that deeply personal uh, short story there. I really feel like you were able, even able to bear your heart and soul to our listeners, um, even though they can't even see you. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I will stress that it's fictional, uh, especially for my mother's sake who's definitely listening. 
um, <laughs> because, you know, my mother wasn't cheating on my father or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, the characters are still fictional. And um, something that my dad has said to me uh, before that's really stuck with me um, is that, you know, it's all true. You know, everything that I've written there is, is true. Just, just not all of it happened. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I've pulled, I've pulled things from my real life and I've made things up and I've made it all click mm-hmm. into some kind of, you know, some kind of artwork. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, what you have coming up uh, with this novel going on and generally how our listeners can uh, keep up to date with what you are doing. So maybe social media mm-hmm. or website or however you convey your, uh, your release dates and so on. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, right now I've got like a poem that I've been working on for a long time called The Bartender's Moon. Uh, I got a new poem that I written this week and I've got a creative nonfiction, a short, a short story, like a piece of memoir about my brother, uh, which is I'm trying to um, send to some people right now to see if anyone bites, um, as well as the novel that I'm working on. So, you know, the, the updates are far and few between as they <laughs> often are um, with this biz, but um, yeah, I would welcome anybody who's listening that's interested, you know, uh, you know, to DM me if they want to talk about writing or if they want to see uh, what I'm reading. I like to put my books on my story and uh, I'm reading and what I'm what I'm doing, what I'm working on. I'm also uh, working on a undergraduate literary journal that I've created uh, at Queens called Quilt. And uh so yeah, that's a whole nother thing. If you're a Queen student to um, to look into is submitting there and, and we're gonna be hiring uh, in the fall uh, for that. So yeah, just, you know, Daniel Green on Facebook. Again, try and find me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I use Instagram and Facebook probably the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone, anyone out there is thinking, wow, this is an interesting guy and, mm-hmm. and feel free to, to talk to me in any any dimension and um yeah if you want to get to know more about daniel and learn a little bit more about what he's up to you can visit his website dgreen.ca which is dgreen.ca and you can also look him up on instagram daniel green writer awesome well thank you so much for Uh, joining me today on uh, End of the Tunnel. I really appreciate uh, your time. And uh, do you mind actually doing the introduction for our last song, uh, Old Time by Adam Rent? Yeah, so um, uh, Adam Vrend is an ultra-talented artist uh, who is a Queen's University student. um, And he was also in Lake Effect 10, which is what I just read from. He has a short story and some lovely poems in there. And he released an album um, called Delighter. 
um, a few months ago or last year, I think. And, um, you know, criminally underrated. He is a, a very talented poet. And Old Tom is my personal favorite song off of Adam Wren's album, Delighter. So I think we should give it a listen. Thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us today. And let's listen to this awesome local artist uh, from the album Delighter. And we're going to be listening to Old Tom. And I hope you all enjoy. set his eyes west but just as i said what beast would be out in this wet and what could it want we fashioned our lives into debts just tinkers and tailors and women with tarot card heads and we take to the street when the weather turns gray casting off signs to the tune of our pain to market, to market, or cast it in clay. Home again, home, what a waste of a day. Oh study the evening's progress. Old Tom and his friends have all found a new tenant to test. And when you awake, don't ask if there's more to be done. Old Tom and his friends won't rise till we bury the sun. Tell me then, tell me, what else have I lost? Have I made me a groom to the pride of sun frost? Bygones be bygones, be my wrong to right. I'll make me a man by the end of the night.
This is your host, Sadie McFadden, and you are listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. This is my show, End of the Tunnel, which airs every Thursday morning from 10 until 11 a.m. And so today, um, just as we're finishing off the show, I really wanted to talk to you all about uh, Folda, the music festival that happened uh, just a mere couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to share my experience with uh, the festival, and also an experience that I had as one of the attendees of a show called Speculation. And so the story was about this woman whose mother is slowly going blind. And the imagery is absolutely beautiful, and I think it creates such a nuance in the understanding of blindness, in the um, understanding of ableism. And I think it really talked to the expressions of words through music and how you don't necessarily need words in order to explain how you feel and that music, just an instrumental piece, can make you feel that. The performer um, was an absolutely amazing violinist um, and honestly, it it speculation seems to be what the daughter speculates her mother is experiencing as her mother is going blind and it's a show about empathy and it allows watchers the participants to do the same and it was interactive yes this was online and you know I honestly especially during COVID I have low expectations for online festivals but because Folda didn't even have to transition um due to COVID because it was already a a the festival of live digital art it actually did an amazing job and so i highly suggest going to folda and i think it was an absolutely a great experience the speculation was so great um and the one line that really hit home for me that the artist said was speculate on why we couldn't hear each other she explained how she didn't always have a close relationship uh with her mother but was talking about how in a way the blind uh sorry the blindness was a way of understanding how there was a miscommunication how they're from different generations and also different cultures as um her mother was an immigrant so i think it was really great and then we also were listening um to a four minute and 34 second piece which was completely silent and the power of silence I think a lot of time is really um you know not appreciated especially at a radio station where you know that is our deepest darkest fear that the air is just gonna go dead and we don't have anything that we're playing so I think that there's also a lot of beauty in that type of art and so I hope you all keep up with the Folda Festival, um, and I hope that you all 
um, listen to it next year because I think it was really great. And um, the people who are running it are absolutely amazing. You get to know them um, personally. Um, I I mean, I did interview them. But um, even when I was at the show, uh, I got um, a little virtual tour um, right from one of the uh, co-hosts of um, or co-creators of the festival, which was an amazing experience. So thank you so much for listening in today. I hope you get to listen to End of the Tunnel um, on our podcast network for the CFRC podcast network. Um, And if you ever miss a week, that's where you can find me. And yeah, so I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you for listening to End of the Tunnel. Let's take a listen to Love Shine Bright by Christopher Jackson, a local musician that usually plays at... Blue Martini.